Luke 15 gives us the context and the setting that Jesus was in a crowd of people. It says this in verse one, that there were tax collectors and sinners, people that were known for their reputations, known for their past and known for their mistakes. And they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to mutter among themselves. And here's what they said. This man, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Jesus responds by telling three different stories or three different parables. The first parable goes like this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, look at the word here, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He goes home and he rejoices with his friends and his neighbors together. And here's what he says. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Come on, did you hear that? Heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. I love that part of the story. But then he doesn't stop there. He tells another parable. Listen to what it says. He invites him close. He says, hey, suppose, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. Now the coin in that day, silver coin in that day would represent a day's worth of wages. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one of them, a day's wage. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and she says, look at the word again, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Come on, God's word is true today and God's word is already speaking today and I hope you're ready to receive it. This idea of heaven rejoicing over one person, realizing they're wrong and realizing God is right and surrendering to him. It's an invitation into the parable. And that's what I think I love about Jesus and the way that he teaches is that he uses parables. Parables give images. Parables give us a picture of what could be, but it also has application that's real for all of us. And what I love about a parable is that it's, it's memorable, it's sticky, it stays with you long after you've heard the story. And so a parable is an invitation for us to examine our hearts of where we would be in this very story. And so I want us to see this today. I've titled today's message, Didn't You Know? Didn't you know that heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents? Now, before we begin, can I just say, I'm sorry for my voice in advance. 
I, I did something this week that they say don't do. I burned the candle at both ends. I ran hard. I charged hard this week. I had an invitation from a former member of our church that now lives out of state, and he gave me kind of a bucket list kind of moment. I got to go all the way to Green Bay and go to the Monday night game at Lambeau Field. And I think by going there on Monday night, that cold air, and being on a dry airplane, coming home, and then the cold temperatures back here. And of course, you guys know I love my Friday night football here, and I help out at North Stafford High School. And, and again, I think the combination of this week, it just took the voice right out of me. So as I'm going through the puberty change again on stage today, please, please forgive your pastor in advance uh, for his gravelly voice. Uh, and I hope that that doesn't get in the way, because we just sang a song that said, God, we want you to meet us here today. And that's my prayer today, that God would meet us here. And maybe in my weakness, God would be made strong. That God would say, Todd, you decrease so I can increase. So praise God, today's not about me and my voice. Today's about God's word shining light and hope and truth and love and mercy and grace. Come on, who needs the word of God today? It's for all of us whether we realize it or not. Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, welcome to the Mount. Uh, we're in a series called For the One. And I think this is a great opportunity for you to hear about our church and find out what's important to us and what we're all about. And so in this idea of For the One, it's actually a vision series where we're trying to raise the vision up. And as we raise the vision up, we believe God is showing what, what we're about as a church right here found in Luke chapter 15. So can I just say again, good morning, church, good morning, Fredericksburg, and good morning to you guys watching online. But this church that you're a part of today started 111 years ago, all the way back in 1907. Seven people saw beyond what they could physically see and said, we need to start a new church that's going to reach people for Jesus. And so right here on 610, this, these seven, their giant faith step we're still experiencing the effects of it 111 years later. Their step of faith is why we're here all these years removed. And in this year, in a few short months, we're gonna plant a new church again down in Fredericksburg. The Mount in Fredericksburg is gonna open up in, in December. That's what we're praying and believing God for, right, Fredericksburg campus? And as we talk about the story of Mount Ararat, it's now our turn to take our faith step in the story. Just like that seven did 111 years ago, it's now our turn to take our step. So here's what we're doing today. Today you were handed a commitment guide along with your worship guide that looks like this. And I just wanna kind of call your attention to some of the details in there today as you kind of evaluate kind of what we're for. This idea of 111, our birth year, gives me a call to action. Because when I look at Luke 15, the two sons and the father, I see that we are called to worship the one. Worship the one. Worshiping God is the sole reason we're a church, to give God glory. Amen, church? And then right behind that is the mission. God has called us to reach the one, the person that has not yet experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. And while we're doing this, he wants us to be one. He wants us to be united as a church that we can rally together uh, in our worship and in our mission together as a body of Christ. Now, to make it applicable, I want to call you to three steps of action. And here they are. Number one, 
is to one night of worship, ask you to give one night of worship. That night happens to be today, right here today at five o'clock. Pastor, I was looking this week on the schedule and there's a football game that comes on tonight. And many of y'all know I'm from Texas. Y'all know my favorite team. And and yes, tonight at 425, that game is coming on. But your pastor's gonna be here worshiping the Lord. And that's probably gonna be good for your pastor's heart today to be here at five o'clock. Because I don't know what kind of team's gonna show up ever. So to worship Jesus is gonna give my mind in the right place. So tonight I'm asking you to come for one night of worship tonight at five. In addition to that, I'm gonna ask you to give us one week of prayer. We're gonna give you strategy this week of what to pray for all seven days. The first three days are going to be about worshiping the one. The next two days are going to be about reaching the one. And then the last two days are us being one. And I want us to have those seven focuses as we move together in prayer, one week of prayer. And then this is where it gets a little bit more challenging is I'm asking you to give above and beyond your normal giving to give one the next year a for the one offering. Maybe it's going to be a one-time gift or an ongoing gift for 12 months, but I'm going to ask you to give to this for the one because we need to raise not just the vision, but the resources to help us to plant this church so it will do the right things on day one down in Fredericksburg. What are we trying to raise above and beyond? $1.1 million. And what that will go to, because I want you to be clear what you're giving to, is it's going to give to Fredericksburg Renovations so it makes that space look like this space. Number two, the multi-site movement so we can keep being an outside-the-walls church. And then number three, if you've been a part of our church, you know this. Anytime you give to the Mount, we turn around and we want to make a difference outside these walls. So if you give to For the One, the first 10%, the first tithe, is going to be serving people in Fredericksburg. To let Fredericksburg know we're not coming to take, we're coming to give. And so that's what this is about. But today, I just wanted you to interact with it. There is going to come a time in, in another week where we're going to ask you to be willing to take a step. But today, I just want you to process the information. And this is for people that call this church home. This is for your commitment to come with us as we take our faith step to move forward. If you're married, I'd ask that you get alone and pray about this and talk about this. And then together, make a decision what that looks like, what your commitment looks like. The good thing is, is all of our commitments are going to look different. But if we all take a step together, powerful. I, I get excited imagining what God could do when we are for the one together. Now, let's go back to the best part of what we've been talking about. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15, because we're going to continue to stay here today. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we have been looking at the third parable. You see, Jesus talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin, but then he talks about the lost sons. Week one, we talked about that younger son that went away and then now came home. Week two, we talked about the older son that never left. And then now today, I love this part. Today, week three, we're going to talk about the father. There's something about the father that I want you to, to realize. Because Jesus, when he tells these parables, he's trying to tell that crowd that day, this is what God is like. And he puts an exclamation point on it when he tells the story about the father and these two sons. So to kind of help us review, I thought I might lean in on a book that I just recently read. Now, how many of you know Katie Hawkins at Mount Ararat? Come on. If you have been here more than a day, you've probably encountered 
Katie Hawkins. Katie is just an amazing, amazing person in our body. And she has, uh, plays lots of different roles throughout the time that she's been here. But Katie is like me. She's an evangelist about everything. I mean, if I go to a restaurant and man, it's a good restaurant. Like when I discovered Uncle Julio's and I thought I could have a little bit of Texas right here locally, man, I came back to this church and I told everybody about Uncle Julio's because you need to get fajitas. They'll change your life, right? And then when I went to that new Alamo theater where you can recline and they bring food to you while you're in the movie, I'm thinking, it don't get any better than this. I don't get this service at my own house, right? And I'm thinking, you gotta go. You gotta, you'll never watch another movie the same once you go to Alamo. Listen, I just love talking about stuff. A few weeks ago, I talked about a mattress I just bought. That's what I'm telling. I'm just like Katie. We find things that we love and we can't wait to invite people to also experience what we love. Isn't that cool? Katie. Katie read a book called With. And, and she got up on me one day a few weeks ago and says, Pastor, have you read this book? And you know, Katie, she's a close talker. She kind of leans in and you lean back, right? <laughs> she said, have you read this book? It is powerful. The whole book is talking about how people wrongly relate to God. You've got to check this book out. And just like typical evangelist Katie, she said, I already bought a case of them and I'm giving them to everybody that I talk to. And I thought, wow. And this is what was humbling. She gave me the book and then I looked up on my Kindle. I had bought the book about a year ago and I read the preface and I never finished it. And so all of a sudden she said, you got to read it. So guess what? She converted me. I read the book in like two days, bam. And man, I'm telling you, great book. And so I'm going to use Sky Jathani's review because the reason she wanted me to read it, she knew I was going to preach on the prodigal son's story. And she said, Pastor, there's a chapter in there where he talks about the prodigal son's story. It would be perfect for you. And so I'm going to kind of use some of his language to help catch us up to the story because we've already talked about two parts of it. But today we're talking about the best part of it, the father. Listen, the Bible says, Heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. When did heaven rejoice for you? That's what I want you to think about today. When did heaven rejoice for you? Now, we talked about this theme. So I want you to look at this, this headings for a second here. As we talk about the who in the story, the decision they made, the relationship they have with the father, and then what is valued. Now, if you were here week one, we talked about the younger son. The younger son was so full of himself. He was selfish. And he tells his dad, dad, I don't want anything with you. I just want what you can give to me. Give me what's mine. Give me my inheritance now. I, you know what? You're better as dead to me. So give me what's mine. And I'm going to go off and I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And see, when we go off to distant country, because we're all guilty of being the younger son, we always think it's going to give us greater freedom and greater fulfillment. And so he takes what's his and he goes and he chooses rebellion, rebellion against his family, rebellion against his faith, and even rebellion against his father. And he goes off and he spends all of his stuff, right? And as he gets to the end of himself, he realizes that, that really he was living in a relationship where all he wanted with the father is what he could get from the father. Hello. You see, I just want to get something from you. 
That's all you're good to me. And his value was what? Was on things, stuff, wealth. But the story says he comes to the end of that. He spends it all and now he hits rock bottom, which actually ends up becoming a blessing because he comes to the end of the road and he says, what am I doing? The Bible says, Jesus said, he said, I'm coming to my senses. And he realized, I'm gonna go back to my father. And the story gets good when he goes back. Remember that? But let's just kind of lead it here for now. Now, there's another person in this story. It's the older brother or the older son. When his younger brother comes back, he gets angry. He cannot believe that he has come home. And worse yet, the father is letting him come home. He's giving him grace instead of punishment. He's throwing him a party. He's like, how could he treat my little brother like that? That is just wrong. And the more he thought on it, the more angry he got. You see, he didn't choose rebellion in this moment. He chose resentment. And that resentment showed us the story that you don't have to leave home to get lost. And he gets just as lost in his own mindset. Because see, the way he approached the father was I just have to be better than my little brother. The way he approached the father is I'm doing things for you, dad. I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to do well. I'm trying to make all the right decisions. Why? So that you can reward me. But you see, it doesn't matter if you're living from the father or you're living for the father, you're both lost. And that's what he wants us to see. Jesus wants us to see both of these aren't the right way to relate with the father. Yet it's the way we all, even all these years, remember, isn't this how we get lost with God? I think about the church today filled with people that believe if I just do a little bit more for God, he'll love me more. If I just do a little bit more, he'll bless me more. If I just do things a certain way, he'll accept me. And then there's other people that are saying, I'm not even wanting anything. I just want from. I just want what he can give. And if he'll give me a better marriage, a better job, better, man, I'll go. I'll do whatever, because I just want from. But listen, both of these will lead you to a wrong relationship with the Father. And so the story is sharing some of these thoughts with us. And today I want us to see the contrast between the sons and the father. So let's go there today as we listen to some of these sound bites today. But here's what I thought about before I could go any further here. It's this. Jesus takes a story where he says, suppose a shepherd loses sheep. Listen, if I'm a shepherd, I can relate to that story. But if I'm not a shepherd... Maybe I can't connect as close. If you can say, hey, suppose you lose a coin. Maybe I've lost a day's wage. Maybe I lost some money. And I can go, oh, I know what that feels like when you're searching for something you misplaced, right? Maybe I can relate to that story. But when he tells the story about the two sons and the father, and he's trying to show what God is like, I wonder what you think about when you hear the word father. Both campuses, real quick. Think with me for a second here. How many of you grew up in a family where your father wasn't perfect, 
but your father was loving and encouraging. And you're, you think about your father, look, there it is. Hey, how many of you, you had a father like that? Loving and encouraging, built you up. To this day, it warms your heart. When you think father, you're like, man, it's positive thoughts, right? Yet in the economy of who God gathered today, I guarantee you this, there are some people here today, when we say the word father, you don't think positive, you go the other direction. How many of you are here today and your father was absent in your life? How many of you, your father was an angry man? How many of you, your father might even be abusive? You see, in that relationship, it's like you're talking about a father and some of you are like, oh, I don't know if I can go there today because when I think of father, my earthly father, it helps block out any good that I could see coming from that kind of metaphor. Don't get lost here because there's something you're gonna see about this father that might even been different than your own earthly father. And I want us to lean in because this father is a good father and Jesus says, this is what God is like. I want you to see and hear the words that he gives to the younger son, that rebellious younger son. Look here, look here. Because if you're struggling with your earthly definition of father, you might miss the spiritual father that could be yours today. Look at what he says to this rebellious son in verse 20. He says, but while, while this son was a long way off and now coming home, his father saw him. Come on. He was filled with compassion for his son. So what does he do? <laughs> he runs. He runs to his son. He throws his arms around his son and he kisses his son. Come on. Is that rich imagery? Running hugging, kissing, come on. It's, it's a picture that, that warms all of us to go, that's the kind of father I want. That's the kind of relationship I want. I want my father to come meet me right there in my mess and, and, and let me know that I'm not alone in it. And as we see this, I thought about even the difference of these parables. Think about it for a second. When the shepherd lost his sheep, he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. When the woman loses her coin, she turns her whole house upside down to find that coin. But when the man loses his son, it says that he watches and waits. Isn't that interesting? He watches and waits. And I thought, what is the difference between this parable and the other two? That he would watch and wait, but yet isn't it different than a sheep? And isn't it different than a coin that this younger son actually has a will? And he knows that that will has to be surrendered before they can come back and relate. And I want you to see this today because it's in a surrendered posture that salvation happens. This is so strong. That, that son had to go, man, I can't. Father, I can't. I give up. I was wrong. I sinned against you in heaven. When he's willing to surrender, it's then salvation begins to happen. Now, don't get confused. When he surrenders, what does the father do? The father runs and hugs and kisses. What does he show us? That the father is the one who initiates. The father is the one who invites him to come in and to be restored again. Listen to how he restores him. I love it. I love it. He says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Come on, put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Come on, we're gonna have a barbecue today. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. This son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he is now found. And so they began to celebrate. 
I love it. It's the father that initiates. It's the father that invites. It's the father that restores him back to becoming a son again. Even as I look at this story, I've been asked in the recent weeks, especially from week one, won't people abuse grace if we make the story that simple? <laughs> you ever thought that? What, won't people take that grace and go live however they want to live and be selfish and be selfish and sinful. And then they know all I got to do is pray. God makes it right again, right? Won't that make people abuse grace? You're telling me I can turn away from God and I can do whatever I want to do. And then I can just pray and God's going to forgive me. And the Bible says, yes, God will forgive you. And that messes with us, doesn't it? Because it doesn't even seem right. Yet God will forgive if we ask. But can I tell you this? Repentance, repentance happens in the heart. And if you're in a relationship with the Father, do you want to continue to rebel against Him and break His heart? And I'll say it this way. The more I walk with God, the less I want to walk away from God. And when it goes on to say this, Paul even knew this tension because in Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, he says, what shall then? Shall we keep going on sinning so that grace can increase? He says, by no means. Come on, Christians. No. We are those who died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? And I'm going to say with you today, because if you're struggling with the grace that God gives this younger son, then you need to hear the reality of this. Forgiveness is different than consequences. What do I mean by that? You bet that younger son was forgiven, but there is no mention that he got his inheritance again. He didn't. Why? Because there's a cost with sin. You need to hear that. You bet when we confess and repent, we can be restored as a son and a daughter in Christ, but it doesn't remove the consequences that decision made. Sometimes we forget the grace is there for us to be forgiven, but the earthly result may still reside. Did you hear that today, younger son, younger daughter? Now, as I think about this, let's look at the older son for a second here. Let's listen to what the father says to him. Because just like the father running off the porch to the younger one, he hears, he's in the party now, celebration's happening now. He hears word, hey, your older son is not wanting to come into the party. So what does the father do? He's in a dilemma. I'm celebrating one son coming home and I've got another son that's, that's pulling away. So what does the Bible say he does? He, he leaves the celebration. He leaves the part and he what? He goes out and he pleads with his older son. Do you remember what he says to him? Come on, what does he say? Verse 31, he says, my son. That's how affectionate he is. He says, my son. He says, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate why? We had to be glad. This brother of yours was dead. He's alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. <coughs> Can you give me <coughs> You ready? 
Who needs this word today? You see, what happened to this older son, I think we fall into. What happened is his resentment was blinding him to the truth. The way he saw things was eclipsed by his resentment and anger, but he was missing what was really true. He was missing the father's love because he was so resentful towards the grace that his father had given. He was missing the truth. Is this the right stuff? (laughs) Dealers up here in the front row. He was... He was blocked out of the love of the father in the story and he was missing the truth. Have you had this in your pocket a long time? I can't even open it. Man, I got another one here. This is so professional today. And he was missing what matters the most. You see in this parable, the father is showing that he loves both of his sons. But can I tell you this? The love looks different. How many of you have more than one child? You love your kids equal? Sure you do. But I bet the love looks different. To your kids, it does. Because the other one's always the favorite. The father loves both sons, but isn't it interesting what he does with both sons? The one son that's repentant and surrendered, he runs, he hugs, and he kisses. But the one who's got everybody at a distance and he's angry, he just goes out and pleads. Yet he's going to both of them. You know what he does for both of them? He gives them his presence He gives them his presence and he invites them. He invites them. He invites them to come into the celebration. That is what God is like. Do you see it yet? Do you experience it yet? You see, the the father is the hero of the story. Don't miss this. We're about worshiping the one and the father is the hero of the story. You see, what matters most to the father is not the disobedience of the younger son, and it's not the self-righteous obedience of the older son. What matters most to the father is that he could have a relationship with both sons. That's what matters to him. Jesus wants you to know that is what God is like. So watch this, watch this for a second. They already got ahead of me here. Here we go. So the father is not driven by rebellion and resentment. Come on, good news. The father is driven by, come on, say it with me, relationship. You see, it's not about from or for. Come on, this relationship with the father is with. It's with. Come on, you don't believe me? Go look at Genesis chapter two. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Go to the end of the Bible in Revelation. God says, these will be my people. I will be with them. God is always, since the beginning of time, wanting a relationship with us. We're the ones that get it all out of order. We're the ones that get it all out of place when we try to resort back to the from and the for. And so many times it's with good intentions. 
We know God's our help. We know God's our hope. We know God's our answer. And so we come and say, God, I just need something from you. Come on, God, if you just give me a better job, God. If you just give me a little bit more income, God. Come on, would you give me a better marriage, God? Would you give me a relationship, God? Would you, Father, help me have better health? All these things that we pull away and we, we sometimes forget when we start treating God like a transactional God. And really we start using him more as the means of what we need to get versus him being the desire of our hearts. And it's a shift from to with. And then the four things, so many times we have put so much effort on good works and living a certain way and believing that if we do things in the right way, we'll never have to go through trouble. And some of that's this idea of America and this idea of having health and wealth and prosperity. But I'm here to tell you, I meet a lot of godly people that go through some very trying things. And then that messes up that theology quickly. When you're trying to always do things in a way to earn God's love, you'll miss God's love. God says, I love you not because you were good enough. I love you because you're my son, you're my daughter. Come on, live with that identity. Let me tell you who you are. That's what this is all about when we see this tension playing out. It's the truth that God wants a relationship with you. Come on, hear that today. God wants a relationship with you. But maybe the real question is this. Do you want a relationship with him? When I think about the tension of this story, it leads us back to asking the question, is God our greatest desire? Right now in my quiet time, I'm reading through Galatians because it's a book on grace. And I felt like, understanding my posture at times with, as an older son, older brother, I need to read about grace. And in Galatians, it says this in chapter four, verse nine, but now that you know God, or rather you're known by God, how is it that you keep turning back to those weak and miserable forces in the past? Why do you keep turning away from what you already have? You're no, you know God and you're known by God. You know God and you're known by God. So live in that posture with God. You see, what brings a person value and significance and hope is not what a person does or not what a person has. It's whom a person does it with. God wants us to see this. And then I'll end with the quote. Rich communion with God are those who only can comprehend it, practice it, and experience it. Are you walking with God today? You know that answer. Are you walking with God today? As you can see, I'm running out of voice, and so I'm going to pick on a few people today. We're going to go a little unorthodox today. Pastor Yaya, you just happen to be on the front row, so I want you to come up. Um, He's our newest pastor on our staff. I want him to come on up. You're going to help me finish the invitation part of this message. Y'all know what an invitation part of the message is, right? It's where we heard the word. Now it's time for us to put it into practice in our lives. And I don't want to pick on, since I picked on her already, Katie Hawkins. I want y'all to meet Katie Hawkins. Come on up, Katie. Are you here, Katie? Right, oh, look, she's wearing her Packers shirt. Yeah. 
Thank you. Um, and even as these two come up today for me, listen, I don't think this is accidental that we're doing this this way. God knew where I'd be today without my voice, but you know what I know? His voice is loud even when mine's weak. And right now, God is speaking through his word today. And right now, I wanna invite you, younger brother, younger sister, that feels like life apart from God is gonna give you what you want. I'm gonna invite you today to come to your senses and to, to see what God could be when you walk with him. But see, there's another part of the story too. It's the, it's the older it's the older brother, the older sister. And sometimes that's the greater temptation for us church people, right? Would you have a softened heart, no matter what seat you sit in today in this story, to listen to the father? Because the father loves both sons. The father loves us today and he wants to meet with us today. Katie, thank you for coming on stage today. And I thank you for introducing me to that book. What a great book. But in that book, move past that come back to the word that you just heard right now in this hour as you listen to this sermon and, and invite somebody sitting here today that maybe feels like, I don't know if I can take a step towards God. Invite them to the party of what God wants for them today. When I think of all you said this morning about the different <clears throat> brothers and, and I think of the one that wandered away trying to find his hope, his joy, his purpose, his security, his his energy in the things of the world. And yet it's so, so, so empty. And just last week I had a conversation with this young woman that I adore. And she's chasing after all these things for her significance and happiness. And yet she's kind of dark and she's kind of depressed and she's not finding it. <laughs> And I said, honey, it's because that is not what you were created for. You were created in his image to walk with him. And that is where you're going to find your peace and your contentment, your joy, your purpose, your passion. So all I would want to say, if any of you are living like that, and, th and this young gal knows all the facts about Jesus and would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, but she spends no time with him with his people with his word and so how can there be that relationship so all I would invite is the father is waiting he's not mad he doesn't despise you this young gal said I like God but he doesn't like me I just started crying and I'm like you got that wrong he adores you he doesn't like what you're doing because it's hurting you, and that makes him sad, but he loves you. So all I would say is he loves you, and he wants you to walk with him. That's good. Hey, Pastor, welcome to sitting on the front row today, but you'll never do that again. What did you hear in this sermon, and what would you invite as you wrestle with it personally and as you think about two campuses and even people online watching and listening right here in this moment? Well, I just want to talk to that older brother that has done everything right, that has come to church every Sunday, that has gone to every Bible study, and at the end of the day, they still feel lost. After all they have done, after the sacrifice of working hard, they still feel lost. They're not connected with God. 
I relate to that, where I used to come from. I did everything, and I felt lost. And I wrestled with God, and I asked God, God, I'm doing all this for you. Why do I still feel empty? And God just told me, because you're doing it for the wrong purpose. I just want to be with you. I want all of you. I want, to do, I want you to do all these things because you love me, but not to get my approval. I always was looking for an approval. So listening to this message, I just, man, just, it touched me in a way where I need to open my eyes and worship my creator. And if that's you today, I encourage you to let God to open your eyes because he wants to be with you. Amen, amen. Man, is that not good? You guys preach great message right there. I'm, I'm going to do something else that I know is going to push a little bit here today, but I feel like with no voice, I got to depend on you to preach the sermons today. I'm going to ask you today, even as I heard what Yayo is saying, sometimes it's, you don't have to, you don't have to leave home to get lost. You can get lost in ministry. You can get lost in church attendance. You can get lost in doing good stuff and, and miss it when you're not with, when you're not with, when you're not with. Come on, somebody here today, somebody at our Fredericksburg campus today, this is you. When you hear the parable, you're like, that's me, I'm that older one. I'm that older one. Can you relate to that today? If that is you today, in faith, in Jesus' name, would you stand up and say, uh, that's me, but it needs to change. It needs to change. Come on, that's me. Stand up right now. Stand up right now. Anybody else? Praise God. Anybody else? That's a hard one to admit to. It's a hard one. But you know what happens sometimes when we're making those kinds of decisions for our life? We find ourselves in resentment and we get further away from the people that we love the most. We get isolated. So if you heard that today, then God's been giving you a gift today and speaking personally to you to let you know that he's for you and that he wants to be with you. Praise God. Come on, somebody else is here today and that's you. Don't let the enemy rob what God's speaking to right now for you. You stand because we want to pray for you. Matter of fact, Pastor Yayo, I want you to pray for the courageous men and women that are standing right now saying it needs to change. I need to come back closer. I need to be with my God. Father, we are here today, and we are here to praise you and to worship you, Father. You are good to us. You are awesome, Lord. And today I pray for these men and women that just stood up, Father, who are looking to be with you, Father, who just want to be in your love, Father. I just pray for them that they can understand that you love them, Father, that they can understand that they are children of you, Father, and that you love them first, that you send your only son to die for their sins, Father. Now we are free in Christ, Father, and I pray for them as they are here standing up, just saying, Lord, I am here for you. I am that older child. I am that, I am that older brother, Father, and they are saying this, and I just pray, Father, that you can just hug on them because, Father, you love them. That's right. You love them already, Lord. I just, wanna, I just pray that they can open their eyes and they can see how great you are and that they can see that they are your sons. Father, I just pray for these brothers and sisters.
Tú eres bueno, Padre, en el nombre de Cristo, Señor. Te exaltamos, Padre. We, we just love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this man and this woman standing up, Father. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may have seen. Thank you for your courage today and helping us preach this message today. I'm going to ask all of you to bow your heads and your hearts right now in this moment because we know the most delicate one is this, is that if you are in that younger seat and today you're realizing, you're coming to your senses that your ways have not given you the result, the return, the love, the life, the connection that you're desiring today. If you realize today that you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, then today is your day of salvation. If today you realize you need to return, then today is your day of repentance. But see, surrender is the door that opens up in that. Are you willing and humble enough to surrender to God today? If you're at either campus and today God found you in that younger position and it's time for you to begin or it's time for you to return in the name of Jesus right now, stand up, stand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Come on, somebody stand up. Either campus, praise God. Anybody else, stand up. Today I'm coming home. Today I'm beginning again. Today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust the Lord in that place in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Katie, there's a couple people standing. Would you pray even over this moment and invite them to trust Jesus to be Lord? Oh, Father, you created us in your image so that we would walk with you. You sent Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God, with us to show us who you are and then to die for us, to make a way that we can be with you eternally, forever, starting right now. Lord, anyone in the sound of my voice that your Holy Spirit has been wooing, that you have been opening their eyes slowly but surely to who you are, would you give them that courage to make today the day of their salvation right now opening their soul to you Jesus Christ and Lord it's as simple as inwardly admitting I am a sinner and I've chased after all the wrong things I've believed the lie of the enemy that I would find my purpose and my joy in the things of this world I'm ready to lay all that down right now Lord and I'm ready to believe that you came to earth to save me from my sins and to give me this beautiful, life-giving, abundant, eternal relationship right. with you, O oh Holy Father. And we pray that, we pray that knowing that you answer and that you bring salvation. Oh, Lord, we rejoice and heaven rejoices with anyone who has prayed that prayer and made that decision today. But Lord, for those of us that maybe we've made some kind of decision in the past, we've had the facts of who you are rambling around in our head, but they have never dropped to our heart where you are really the desire of our heart. We don't want to go to hell, 
but the desire of our heart are for the things of this world. I pray, I pray right now, we pray that you would remove those hard hearts and replace them with the soft heart that wants you above all things, all things in this world. Would you give us that, God? All of us that we might live out what it means to walk with you in joy and in purpose and in peace. We surrender all, Lord. We surrender all to you today. And we can't wait to see what you'll do in us and through us. In your holy name, amen. Thank you, guys. Awesome, 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 awesome. Hey, let's all stand together today. Listen to me. The power of relationship with God is that when we worship the one, when we reach the one, when we are one together, we are connected to the greater story. Not only are we known by God, not only can we know God, God is calling you and us to be like the Father. We gotta go look for our little brothers and sisters. We gotta throw parties for people when they come home. And let's pray that God would use us to be that kind of church that celebrates when people, when people come home to Christ. Come on, let's sing these words. Lead us, Josh. Lead us, Emily.